I've got a question for you. And the answer depends, at least partly, on the primary perspective you take, either as an audience member or a maker, when you think about how to answer it. It centers around effort in art making and to what degree the visibility of that effort affects how we connect to the work, both as the artist and as a viewer. Now, the answer is entirely subjective, but it's something that I'd like to continue to explore in multiple conversations over time. But before we get to that, we're talking about culling our creativity, letting go of some of the distractions, both literal and metaphorical, and keeping and really leaning into the things that continue to challenge and inspire us to make. I'm Jeffrey Sidoris. I'm talking to John Wilkening, and this is In Between. What does 2020 look like for you creatively? Do you do you have an agenda? Are you still kind of winging it? What what do you what do you see happening? Well, considering most of my life winging it has been my strategy. <laughs> to, to, say, to say to say that that would change would be not looking at the current trend. Right. Right. Uh, it, part of part of my goal over the next year is to really call a lot of the stuff that I've accumulated creatively that are distracting. Mm-hmm. And like it, it, it's just one of those where like I have extra cameras, I have extra this, I have extra that. And like really try to hone in on like what creatively makes me happy. Right. That I just want to do for the sake of doing it. Is it a need versus want or is it, how are you making that distinction between what you want to keep, what you want to get rid of, both in terms of the physical stuff and the process that sort of dictates how that stuff gets used? Um, to be honest, I don't know yet. Mm-hmm. A lot of that is a work in progress, but right. like part of me hates the hype around that, uh, the Japanese art of tidying up, but there's, right. but there's, there's you're, you're much more a Kintsugi kind of guy. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it's one of those where it's like my Anna always hates the chaos that I sort of live in. And she's like, she's like, you could have your office, but the rest of the house is mine. <laughs> <laughs> so, so the, the you open my office door and it looks like another person inhabited that part of the house. Right, right. Um, but like I I resonate and love the idea of like does this bring me joy? Mm-hmm. And are you able to answer those questions? I think so. Yeah, at, at least at least somewhat. You know, there's there's definitely like I know the reasons things were purchased and like I understand the desires like what drove those purchases. Mm -hmm. But some of it was also, especially because I I shoot with film so much of it was like almost like this, this fear that things are going away. Right. And, and thankfully a lot of, yes, they're going away to some extent, but like that whole market has sort of, 
stabilized to extent. Sure. I mean, Kodak's not selling 3 million feet of film a year, but they're bringing back film and they're arguably hasn't been a better time in the last 20 years to be a film photographer. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And like, and like, uh, Ilford released new film Mm -hmm. and like, and I think the, the film companies that are out there are sort of finding, figuring out what their new way of selling film is going to look like. And then figuring out how to make that profitable for them, which is encouraging. You know, it may be that the films that I like are a little more expensive than they have been in the past, but the fact that they're still available. Right. And not, not significantly so, to be honest. I mean, I I was, I'm kind of surprised that film hasn't increased in price more than it has. Yeah, no, exactly. And like, especially if you're looking, if you ask people, say, start of the decade uh, the last decade mm-hmm. where where do you think film would be most people would be like why would anyone shoot with film right right you know and i mean you may still be asking that question but like the the that whole argument of shoot film or not shoot film like to me that's one of those like just find out what clicks with you and mm-hmm. make the best images you can. But, you know, there's definitely, I have, I have a nice stock. Like if I, if I didn't buy any more film, I could probably shoot for a long time. Right. You know? And so it's one of those things where it's like, do I really need that? You know? And sort of just being count like, look at the resources that I have and instead of going, it'd be nice to have X or Y go, what can I create with this? Right. Does it give you a, a a renewed sort of sense of, of purpose sounds wrong, but I I think you'll know what I mean by it. Yeah. It's a renewed sense of curiosity. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Maybe that's a better way to put it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like to to me, the creative pursuits are very much like uh, almost like Alice in Wonderland type thing where you you're walking along and you just try to find the next rabbit hole. And sometimes you look at a rabbit hole and jump into it. And other times you trip and fall into <laughs> and it. fall into it face first. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, but but uh, I mean, that that being said, sometimes when you, you know, pull the dirt and weeds out of your mouth and look around, you go, well, wait a minute, I can do something here. Yeah. I can do something with this. And I could, I think I could look back at my life and say, I never, I've, I don't think I've ever regretted falling into the rabbit hole Mm -hmm. in hindsight. Like there definitely been times where you're like, why, why did I fall into this rabbit hole? Right. Because that rabbit hole looks a lot cooler. There's a lot made of intent and purpose in in making, but I tend to think that you can back into that and and find intent and purpose that you didn't look for and still create compelling and satisfying work. Yeah, no. I I would I would tend to argue that the people who are most passionate about a about a pursuit are more passionate now than when they originally started the pursuit. Mm. 
because what happens is along the way, if you're if you're continuing to do something, that means there's something it's offering something to you. Right. And the farther you get into something, the more the subtleties are apparent, the more the little things that drive you like. I think if you're if you're the sort of peak passion to start a project, it will fail. Mm. And that what happens is that passion is almost like the the reward for doing something long enough. Mm-hmm. Like where you're like, you're like, I really like this because I, now I'm now, now this is the aspect of it that's intriguing me or right right yeah it's it's almost like to to use kind of where you went earlier passion is the reward for curiosity Mm -hmm. yeah but if you if you go into it like you say peaking there's there are fewer directions to go in there's there are fewer there are fewer pivot points right yeah yeah and like to me you know it it probably you know best if you and that most analogous to like a relationship, you know like when you first you know like meet someone new, and you know there's the butterflies like all that sort of feeling, but like that is just that is almost like one shallow aspect of what com- what is broadly defined as love. Mm-hmm. And that the longer you're with somebody, in a weird way, that disappears and is replaced by something deeper, but it also harder to quantify. And to where you like, you know, I could tell my the, I could tell what mood my wife is by how she says the word fine. Right, 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 right. <laughs> like where it's like fine, John. I'm yeah, fine. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Like, yeah. You know that room we talked about earlier? I'll be in there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and and I think I think a lot of like when you get into photography, that that first image that sort of drags you under if you want to say Mm -hmm. you look at that image a couple years later and you're like why was that yeah why was that that, the one yeah you know like you're you're like there's a million things wrong with this but that was the trigger that Mm -hmm. was the thing that like launched this journey that you're on right and so like I hesitate to like sort of, you know, follow your passions. No, just follow your curiosities. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I find there, I find what you're curious about is more deeply tied to what moves you creatively. And in a weird way, whatever drives that curiosity is more in line with you as a person than quote unquote passion or excitement. How do you see that changing? Because this is interesting. As we're talking about this, I'm looking at the, the text I sent you this morning about Mm -hmm. what Adrian and I've been talking about and, and it changes. I think your expectations around what you produce change. And 
your expectations about how that work is seen or experienced from from the yeah. audience perspective and how <laughs> you relate to those things is that that's another variable entirely that we don't talk about it a lot no. to my knowledge anyway no you know i find i find, like i resonated with the question was more or less you know how does the the appearance of difficulty in your in the work sort of i'm pulling up the the message right now what's the role slash importance of effort to different makers right given the impression of something being effortless versus demonstrating visual effort right and like i resonated with that question a lot because so much of my work is because it's messy has the appearance of being effortless Mm -hmm. and in a way that i the way i feel that that has in some ways it will at first diminish the work to a new viewer as in it's easier for someone to just look at it the same way you would look at a Jackson Pollock painting and go, I, I could do that. Yeah. Yeah. My kid could do that. Yeah. You're like, <laughs> I've literally done that with a brush trying to clean it in my basement. <laughs> you know that. Next time, put canvas down. Yeah, exactly. But then you, you sit there and you stare at it and you're like, but I feel differently about that than I do my kids paint right and i think it's it's something where like you see certain images crutzen's a perfect example you look at a crutzen's image and every especially every photographer goes how did he do this because you're like there's 14 different light sources there's like right the color palette is immaculate like it it feels like there's not a hair misplaced in the entire frame. But but it had to be made. Mm-hmm. Like you, you at least when I when I look at those things, when I look at those types of photographs, I come away going, this is there's a respect there because this is a world that was created. Correct. And and everything is there because Gregory wanted it there. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the photos that, that Adrian and I were talking about was, do you remember a few years back, uh, Spencer Murphy had that, that shot in, uh, Taylor Wessing of the jockey, the, the, the female jockey right after the, the, I guess, right after a race. Oh yeah. And that shot to me and, and absolutely no disrespect to Spencer Murphy. In fact, just the opposite. That shot to me looked absolutely effortless. That shot Mm -hmm. looked as if. It just spontaneously happened. But I know that there was craft there. I know that there was intent there. I know that there was a history of thousands of photographs that he had taken before it that led to that moment. But mm-hmm. it but it feels effortless is the, yeah. the word I keep coming back to. I, I think especially with people are interesting to photograph because... We've all done it to some extent, mm-hmm. especially now in the smartphone era. And we've all are familiar with the would have been a great picture, but someone is blinking right. or like, right. And like we, we, we almost subconsciously understand what 
difficult creatures humans are to work with. Mm -hmm. And so like an image like that. Yeah. And one, in one respect we look at and go, that's just a right place at the right time. You know, you have a lighting setup that is your go-to that you've done a million times. Boom. There you go. But it definitely is one of those where like you do it enough and you're like, that could be a once in a lifetime image. Mm -hmm. Yeah. A 500th of a second, either side of that. And it's arguably completely different. Exactly. Cause there's an intangible there that is almost impossible to quantify, but everyone sort of knows it. Mm -hmm. I could feel it, Mm -hmm. which, which makes it fascinating from like a, a creative standpoint. Right. And I wonder if that, I mean, never having spoken to Spencer Murphy, I'd love to talk to him, but you know, do you still feel that way? A thousand portraits into your career, 5,000 portraits into your career. Is, is it, do you, are you still able to see and accept where, where skill and spontaneity collide? Yeah, no, that, yeah, that is an interesting, yeah. Do you think when he when he was setting up his camera, do you think that was the portrait he had in mind? Do you think he was uh, surprised by that image? And I, I, don't know. I know that's an I mean, impossible yeah, question. Yeah, it's an impossible question. I hope so. I hope that 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 when that roll or that sheet, I don't even know if it was shot on sheet film or roll film, nor does it really matter. But when that was pulled out of the developer or, or when that was contact printed, I hope that there was a, wow. Okay. You know, that kind of a response. I hope that that's what happened. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's, it's sort of like the, uh, the Charles Mingus quote about making the simple complicated is common, but making the complicated simple, that's creativity. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's one of those where you would love to see the rest of that contact sheet. Right. Because you know, there's going to be some garbage images on there. Well, yeah. In, in uh, When I talked to Keatley uh, what was it, a month ago or so now, we were talking about that, that contact sheet of, you know, that famous shot of Jim Morrison where he's got, you know, the, the no shirt and the, the necklace and his arms kind of outstretched. Mm-hmm. Like every other shot on that contact sheet was just okay. Yeah. But there was that one moment where it all sort of either came into focus or faded away, depending on how you, you see that. And now we have this photograph forever. Yeah. And, and like to, to bring it to like you in terms of like, let's put it this way. Your paintings always surprise me because I, I can't do that. <laughs> I can't do it either. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's, that's a more of an effort thing. <laughs> but, but you, you have a self self deprecating almost like it's I just add stuff and see where it goes about it. Yeah. And to me, it looks like a magic trick. Well, thank you. I mean, I, I, I appreciate that. I don't know if I agree with you, but should the effort be visible in art, in photography? Should we know who took the photograph, who made the painting, or is it enough to just connect with the work and does that evolve over time as as both an audience member and as a maker are are we 
more or less concerned with the who as an audience? And are we more or less concerned with who knows that we made it as, as a maker? I mean, these are things that I, I kind of want to talk about with a variety of different types of makers and see where they land on it. Because it's fascinating to me, you know, I could name a half a dozen pictures that I can tell you in, in great detail the context and what's in the frame, but I have no idea who made the picture. Nor mm-hmm. do I, if I'm being honest, nor do I really care because yeah. I just connect with the work. Same with paintings. I, there are a lot of painters that I look at the work and I see it and I go, wow, that's really great or, you know, whatever it is. And the who is sometimes, maybe even often, irrelevant compared to the what and how I connect with a piece of work. And I w- I'd love to talk about that and unpack that with a variety of different both audience members and and makers for that matter to see kind of how that has evolved over time. Yeah, I think I think that really depends on the subject matters. You know, like I'm trying to think of photographs and the photographer and like trying to like it almost like Rolodex does this add to it? Right. You know, and like I'm getting to, I'm not sure why this was the first one that popped in my head, but like Vivian Mayer's work, mm-hmm. I gained a better appreciation of the work when I look at it from the standpoint of she's om- almost like a, a forgotten member of society. Let's put it that way, where she's a nanny she lives this sort of like she takes care of this wealthy family's child and she just lives and operates on the outskirts of society. But her camera is her way of observing society Mm -hmm. that's operating around it. How does knowing that affect how you experience the work? Because it sounds like it does have an effect on maybe not how you experience it, but what you take away from it. I guess it's one of those where like I... I look at it and I, and in some ways it imbues the work with a certain feeling significance that, that goes maybe above and beyond the images of in and of themselves. Hmm. The image can be broken down into the, your sort of classic who, what, where, when, why, or what's in the image, you know, but like that, knowing that, you look at her body of work and you you get this almost reflective look back at Mayer and how she feels she's looking at the world from. Mm-hmm. And then with that comes the context of like, this is how she feels when she's creating the work. And then this is why she, re- this is the images that responded to her enough that she took the picture. Right. And the beauty of it is that whole feeling I'm feeling when I look at the work doesn't necessarily have to be there per se. It's just how I feel almost the work. Mm-hmm. Do, do you get a different, and I know I'm going to butcher this, but do you get a different feeling around the work looking at, at somebody like Mayer's work where I, th- I think we can pretty safely assume that she never intended that work to be seen by the public. Correct. Versus somebody like Winogrand. Well, Winogrand's an interesting example too, because Winogrand, there are apparently thousands of you know frames that have still yet to, yet to be developed. 
Mm-hmm. So maybe maybe Saul Leiter is a better choice or Fred Herzog, An- another sort of documentarian, but a documentarian for whom getting the work in front of an audience was a part of the work. Mm. Do you see those as do you experience those differently? Yeah, uh, like I was trying to think as you're framing the question, I was trying to f- figure think of any photog- like anyone who'd be the counterpoint to that. Mm-hmm. And the name that pops in my head is Robert Frank. And okay. his America, America series. Sure, sure. That, that was a very obvious commentary and a very obvious sort of, I'm going to release this body of work as a commentary about the world around me. Correct. Yeah. But I know, but that work for me literally does nothing to tell me who Robert Frank was. Why is that? I, I don't know. You see less of the maker's hand there than you do in somebody like Vivian Mayer. Correct. Why is well, that? Is it? Why do you uh, think that is? I, let's let's highlight another photographer, maybe like Nan Golding's work. Mm-hmm. A lot of her work feels like um, like a means of for her to to almost process herself. Yeah. Through. Yeah. Yeah. It took me a while to to get to a place where I could appreciate her work. Mm-hmm. I, I couldn't, I couldn't get past the initial, not sh- maybe shock, shock of the subject matter to get to where that subject matter came from or what was, what was based on what I, at least what I had read and, and watched, what was driving that subject matter, why she needed to make those pictures. Mm-hmm. But I wonder how that has changed for her. Does she, and this, this is what I find fascinating is does, does that change over time? Does she, does she feel the need to be seen in her pictures? Mm. Not physically, I mean, but, but her, does, does her presence need to be seen in those photographs or is it enough that we find them compelling and they resonate with us on some personal level without tying it to her on a personal level. And that, that's what I'd love to talk to different, different artists and makers and things like that about. Yeah, no, I think that's, that's, uh, like, I mean, that might be one, you know, talk about big question. Yeah. Might be, you know, <laughs> one of the bigger ones, but like, do you feel yourself in your own work? No. Cause no. I would, I would respond the same way. Yeah. I, you know, I have a, I have a, I've been, I've I've been trying to evaluate my relationship to the work that I make. And I think that, that across the board, I, I tend to not, and this is just the way I see it at the moment. And and I'm, I'm, I may be way off base, but I don't see myself as a maker as much as I see myself as an assembler. I, I assemble, I, I, I pull different elements and I assemble them in a way that is either aesthetically pleasing or emotionally compelling for me. Mm-hmm. And maybe there's no difference. Maybe I'm splitting hairs. Maybe it's a, this is a game of semantics that I'm playing with myself so I don't have to call myself an artist or something. I don't know. But I feel like the, the, the bulk of my 
making, if you will, is assembling things that fit together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was I was going to ask how you how you saw the value judgment differently between the two. Like, how do you value those? Would you if you if you saw someone's work that was more assembly than creation? I don't know that uh, there's a there's a I don't I don't know how I would respond to that. I, I actually don't know how to respond to that. Um I, I'm not saying that there's no value in what I do. I just see I see what I make as as assembling things that already exist in a way that hasn't been seen i'm mm-hmm. not creating from nothing um whereas somebody like i don't know a, a, a figurative painter or or uh, you know a writer um creates from a blank page from a blank canvas yes i start with a blank canvas but m- more often than not i start with existing materials and i start assembling and then adding adding on top of it or pulling through it or I don't know. It's hard to explain. And I'm, like I said, it's still, it's still uh, not very solid in, in my head. I just feel like I'm, I'm in this period of, of sort of relearning my own role in the creative process. If that makes Mm. sense. Yeah, no, I'd say that, you know, I, I would, sort of argue with you that there that people create out of nothing how do you mean i think that that we we all when we create something we all bring a certain level of found objects and inspiration and sort of past experience to the table. The only difference is your work, you can literally see the pieces. Mm. Like you, instead of, instead of going, I'm going to paint my, my idea of a crow. Uh, you, you're like, I just found a picture of a crow and put it on there. Yeah. Hopefully, took a picture of a crow. <laughs> oh, one of the other. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but but you see what Dust I mean. Dust off like, these cameras and take them out in the wild every once in a while. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but my work basically comes from looking at what I did and looking at other photographers and going, "How can I do that with the equipment I have?" Mm-hmm. I end up in a different spot than they do but i didn't start from nothing i see yeah that makes sense you know the you know the every you know every musician when they're writing a song has thousands of the songs from the past roaming through their head sure and the you know the crazy part is your brain goes what about this rift and you have no idea where that came from. And then years later, you're hearing a song and you're like, oh. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> or you get a letter in the mail saying, hey, <laughs> guess what? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know that exactly. chord progression that you 
air quotes, came up with. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to remember remember that whole vanilla ice defense. Right. Oh, they, what didn't they? They added an extra beat or something. It was <laughs> they like, added a like symbol at the end. Yeah, so. it's like dun 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 dun. dun, dun you know, like, <laughs> exactly. Oh yeah, that's really different. Yeah, no, no, it's good. That's good. <laughs> oh, but you know, I think I think we there's this weird pressure that we put on creating when we define it as creating something new out of nothing. Mm-hmm. As opposed to looking, looking at as adding two things that other people hadn't considered putting together Mm -hmm. or different elements or looking at things different way. You know, I think there, the reason like, I think, uh, I think I mentioned this in a conversation with you in the past about one of the key personality traits that creative people are almost defined by is openness. It, meaning they're open to new experiences, new ideas, new places, all that. And part of that comes out of creative people are almost receivers for all these things that, that surround them. And your brain just almost constantly catalogs and throws out things that it doesn't find, you know, useful or entertaining or whatever. And then it's constantly going, oh, I might, I might find some purpose for that idea later. Right. Right. How, how can I, where can I put this? Yeah, exactly. Well, and I think I'm, I'm in, in terms of the things that I do make i think i'm getting better about recognizing the value in that process the value in in you know having boxes and boxes full of all this <laughs> crap <laughs> but being able to sort of synthesize it or or combine it into something maybe not wholly unique but iterative enough that it's different than the source material. Yeah. And like, that's honestly 90% of the creative game is, is trying to take something and, and change it to something new. Mm hmm. And recognizing when it's something new. Right. That's, that's, I think that is one of the hardest parts is that, that sort of, you can, starting, starting is arguably easier, but when to stop, when to be able to look at that thing, whatever that thing is, whether it's a, a song or a screenplay or a novel or a photograph or a painting, that's done. That mm-hmm. says what I want it to say. Yeah, and I mean, I think I think that's one of those that comes via experience. And in just a continual doing, you know, because I don't think those decisions happen more 
I don't think you make the good decisions when you start out in terms of when it's done. Mm-hmm. You know, that's why every photographer when they start out loves the clarity slider. <laughs> <laughs> and then and then you look back and you're like, oof, what yeah. was I doing? Yeah, yeah. You know. <laughs> so when when you and I'm making a, a huge assumption here that, that you have put down the pinhole camera, if not for good, for a while. Mm-hmm. Is that yeah. fair? Yeah, that's fair. What was driving, what, what drove the decision to stop that body of work? Was, was, there, was there too much of you in it? Was there not enough of you in it? How, how did you get to that point where you went, nope, this is done? I've I've said all I need to say or can say and and maybe clarify which was it can or should or or yeah, yeah, yeah. where did it where um, did that fall See I when I look at my work I don't see I don't see myself in the work Did you ever No but what that work represents is a a visual puzzle and this is one of the the realizations that i've come to over this last year is that i am i am driven more by trying to solve a problem or solve a puzzle Mm -hmm. than I am by having something internally that needs to be said that needs to get out. Hmm. Or in that, you know, I feel that there's certain, there's certain artists that that for whatever whatever's in them has to come out and that the work happens to be the vehicle that it chooses to exit right at. right that was Where, the medium for the message but the message was the most important thing correct yeah not you though yeah no and it it's weird cuz because in some ways I've judged myself for that from a standpoint of like not for feeling less like an a true artist. Ex- explain. And, if, when when you stopped, you mean? No, just in or in general. No, just in general. Mm-hmm. Like this is it cuz I it's one of those things when you look at when you look at certain artists that are creating work that are like a direct link to who they are as human being and like, and sort of they're like, you hear, you, you hear it often where you're like, it feels like the work was in them and just needed to get out. Mm -hmm. But you didn't see your work that way. It was, it was more solve. Was it a visual puzzle that you were trying mm -hmm. to solve? Yeah, it was, it was, it was almost it was almost like a math problem mm-hmm. where I had this I had this forgotten piece of equipment 
and I had almost an image that I wanted to create with that piece of equipment. And it was, it was in some ways the worst, the worst possible equipment to choose to try to produce those images. Mm -hmm. And it, it became a game of like, how do I take this thing that I shouldn't be able to do this with and let me learn everything I can about this process to then be able to manipulate it in such a way that this is not what other people do with this piece of equipment. Mm -hmm. And, and I, I'm in some ways purposely making this as cold, as cold, <laughs> right. cold a process as <laughs> right, I can. Right, right, but, like, right, right. but like my curiosity was in how do I make this happen with this thing that shouldn't be able to do this? Right. When, when you got to that point, when, when you, and I'm going to simplify this, when you were able to solve the equation or when you were able to answer mm -hmm. the question, was there a period of time where you kept on hoping that maybe a new problem or question would surface or mm -hmm. you, there was, okay. Yeah. Okay. No, it's, and, and then what happened was it go, I sort of, I reached the log, the end of what I could do with, with the camera mm -hmm. in terms of creating the, with that particular camera. Yeah. With that yeah, particular yeah, 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 camera. Yeah. And then I, I basically was like, can I, can I basically use a regular camera to do the same thing? And that was a whole lot easier to do because it was more easily suited for what I wanted to do. Right. I can't imagine it was as satisfying though, because it was more easily suited for you. It, correct. And which is why it, it, it didn't last nearly as long. Mm -hmm. And then sort of, I reached a point where, where it was like, I had, I'd figured out this problem. And so my, my curiosity for, for that had, if you want to say diminished. Sure. Kind of run its course. And then I'm left with this sort of, what is the problem I want to solve or tackle? Mm -hmm. And, and creatively speaking, I haven't really answered that. Right. And I'm still drawn to take photographs. Mm -hmm. It's just, I don't know what I want to do with that. And so like it, it I, I feel weird about it because I'm not, I don't have the, you know, it was so, it was so much easier when I had a day off because I knew exactly what I was going to do. Mm -hmm. And so I could just get up and start working on it. It's so much harder when you're like, I, I could do a million things. Right. Right. I don't know what I want to do. If, if you didn't see, did you, you said that you didn't really see you in the work. Mm -hmm. what, how, how does that translate to what you want or maybe even need an audience to get from that work? 
If if they're not seeing you, and if you're not, and if you're not seeing you, what is the connection from from the audience's perspective to that work, or what did you want that connection to be? Mm-hmm. My goal when when someone looked at my work is I wanted them to I wanted to to in some ways challenge the way people viewed the world around them. And in, in the way, in the way of we, so much of what we look at in the world as being this, this solid static set in stone thing. And in by creating this like, blurry, messy thing. Almost fluid. Oh yeah, almost fluid. Yeah. It what it did is it it took the things that were recognizable and made them not recognizable. It it basically, you know, objects that are solid like a bus become fluid. Mm-hmm. And you could see through them. You know, human beings become almost trails or almost like memories where you see like the outline, but you can't make out the features. Mm -hmm. Like I, there's, you know, there's so much of like, you know, I, I sort of in a, I was on, uh, this was a number of years ago talking to, I was talking to a guy on his podcast about my work and I framed it in that because I grew up all over the world, I saw different versions of the world. Mm-hmm. You know, like I still remember the the day when I was, I think I was like 11 or 12, somewhere in that range and coming back from India. And I walked into my first American grocery store and being blown away. <laughs> right. You know, like, that feeling of just being like, holy, look at this thing. So, okay. So is your, oh, okay. Is your work then, or was, was that work? And, and maybe I'm way off base, a way of dealing with, or maybe not dealing with this wrong word, maybe a way of presenting that sort of blur of, of childhood and adolescent travel where, where, there wasn't any, I mean, yes, things were recognizable as people and buildings and buses and things like that, but, mm-hmm. but the detail was lost because you were sort of always in motion yourself. Uh, maybe. Or am I just reaching for something poetic because I want to put a bow on it? <laughs> <laughs> the beauty of it is that if I did say that, mm-hmm. I, it, it's one of those where I said it despite myself rather than Hmm. because I, you know, like, Mm -hmm. you know, I could, I could look back at my work and almost write an art artist statement of it. Sure. But I was more focused on actually getting just a, a regular image that I wasn't paying attention to why I was doing it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, like you, you would, you'd be backing into an artist statement for sure. Correct. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. And which is why I've always struggled with those types of things. Are you suspect of, of any of them because you, your experience is so different in terms of making the work or, or have, are there, are there 
statements that you've read that you go, okay, yeah, that makes sense. That, that I, I can believe that I can buy off on that. Or do they all sound like sort of after the fact to you, because that's been your experience in making your own work. I know I, I've talked with enough artists to know that there are, there are people who hundred percent reflect the artist statement. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, there's, there's definitely some that you read and you're like, that one's suspect. <laughs> <laughs> I have questions. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> the, 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 you know, but like, you know, I've, I've also, it's one of those beauty, like I've known enough creative people to understand that, like, we're all in some ways wired slightly different, mm-hmm. which is why the work you could take the same subject matter and come up with wildly different things. Right. You know, that's. And I think you and I both know plenty of people, maybe some of the same people for whom thinking about the why of the work is really secondary to just doing the work. Mm hmm. Agreed. That they're, it's not that they're on autopilot, but there's not a sense of, okay, I need to go out and make this because I'm trying to say this and this needs to tie back to this. They just make and then almost look at the, the, the body that's been created and go, oh, well, you know what? Here's what's happening. Here's, here's, there's this thread running through this whole thing that I didn't see at the time. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, it, and like sort of back to, to the idea where it's like, I know, I know I'm different than other people, but I know also everybody is different than everybody. Right, 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 right. So, so (laughs) it's a revelation, John. I know. (laughs) Uh, 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 Welcome to deep thoughts. I know I'm different. You know, it's it's an Andy Dwyer moment, right? Yeah. I'm different, yeah. but I feel like everybody's also different. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, but it's... <laughs> uh, and scene, people. <laughs> uh, and you've had this feeling where you talk long enough on a podcast where you have that you almost go like Zoom third party out, person out and you're right. like... Did you just really say that? <laughs> With a straight face. I'm going to insert With a little record face. scratch right here. Just, you know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So, like, it's it's one of those where, like, I know t- in order to keep on producing work that I have to, in some ways, just accept who I am mm-hmm. and then work within that confine as opposed to attempting to create like create from someone else's structure Mm -hmm. or idea. Do you have any idea what that looks like circa early 2020? No. Yeah. (laughs) You know, and that, that's the, if you want to say a bow on my struggles right Mm now, Mm -hmm. because, you know, for, I don't know, three, four years, I had an identity. I had a thing. Right. You know, I I could sum myself up nicely into this box. Sure. And the work and, reflected that summary. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and like it, it, it was funny, like in a weird, not to toot my own horn kind of way, but like I was looking over my work. For some reason, I had to go into my uh, photographic files, and I was just looking at some of the work I produced at the very end of some of my projects, and I was like, "There's I." I resonate with a lot of what I produced during that thread. More and so now than when you were producing it? Yeah. Yeah, hmm. 100%. Hmm. And in some ways, my you know, so, struggle to create might have been less to do with the work I was creating and more just from me as a creator. Mm-hmm. And so it's... I'm not sure how that solves anything, but like that realization benefits me. But like it was one of those where it was like it it was an it was definitely a nice feeling to look back and go, I'm proud of that. You know, I'm happy with that. Like, you know. I would imagine it sets the stage for what comes next. Sort of on the back of that pride that that I can do this. I can make something that is still compelling to me a couple years on. Not just, not just at the time of making. Yeah, I would, I would agree with that. Yeah. And, and like part of that also comes from like, all I, all I need to do is find the puzzle that I want to solve. And do you, do you find that you actively have to seek that out or does it work better when, when it finds you, when it sort of drops into your lap? I, I think that I tend to find them better when I'm looking for a puzzle. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But it's not that I need to be open for the puzzle to hit me in the face. Sure. Not that I'm actively looking for the puzzle. You know, like I, I never seem to be like, okay, I'm going to look for the puzzle here and I find it. Right. It's, it's more just a I'm, general openness, I think, yeah, for you. Yeah. yeah. And for a while, I mean, to be fair, you kind of weren't. You were. You, mm-hmm. you needed to kind of take a break from that for, for a bit, yes? Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. yeah. You know. Well, welcome back. <laughs> Thank well, you. <laughs> welcome back to the mud, John. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, Stay tuned, folks. <laughs> yeah. Oh, but yeah. I, I feel like I would like to document more of it. I feel like I would like, and, and, you know, maybe we can find a balance where we're recording these sort of progress reports or, or uh, that's the wrong way to put it, but because <laughs> there probably won't be progress for a while, but yeah. uh, you know, that we're having these conversations and, and finding a, a rhythm to share and work through some of it, not just with each other, but with an audience who may be experiencing similar or for that matter, completely different realities. Yeah, no, I know. I think, you know, in the past you've mentioned hashtag behind the scenes wanting to do a more regular show. And I think, I think I would enjoy regularly chatting with you because it's fun to play idea tennis with you. Well, thank you. And I I agree. And I I always come away energized. It Mm -hmm. it may not lead anywhere because (laughs) it, because it doesn't have to, but but it renews or or re sort of engages the desire to go looking 
Mm, yeah. And I think if that were to be, uh, my hope is that in, in recording and sharing that, 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 that it would do the same for other people, that these touch bases and people could feel the, you know, feel like they can write in and ask questions or, or uh, perhaps even be a part of the discussions moving forward and, and, realize sort of that we're all working through these things yeah i i think the more that more real conversations about the struggle of creating the better it is for creators sure and that i mean i know that 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 word struggle gets used and and perhaps overused and and sometimes it can feel like a struggle sometimes it can just feel like a challenge and I, i i i don't i don't want to get you know, stuck on the semantics of it, whatever you feel the need to call it and wherever you're at, let's let's just see where we can go with it. Let's just see where we can support and encourage and challenge each other in in doing this stuff. Because I think that's important too. Yeah. I 100% agree with that statement. Subscribe to In Between in your favorite podcast app. You can also get every episode of In Between, as well as my other shows, iterations, and Process Driven all in one feed by subscribing to Jeffrey Sidoris Everything. If you're enjoying the show, and I hope you are, I'd love it if you'd consider leaving a review or a rating on iTunes or sharing it on social media. You can connect with me on Instagram and Twitter at Jeffrey Sidoris, that's J-E-F-F-E-R-Y-S-A-D-D-O-R-I-S, or on my website at jeffreysidoris.com. If you've got questions or feedback or maybe an interesting story to share, email me at talkback at jeffreysedoris.com. I'd love to hear from you. You can find John on Instagram at John Wilkening. That's J-O-N-W-I-L-K-E-N-I-N-G. Or by visiting his website at johnwilkening.com. As always, thank you so much for listening. I appreciate you being here. And we will talk to you on the next one. On the other side, I could be completely full of shit. <laughs> uh, the, the, that, that, the wonderful coin of being a human being. As, as Adrian says, it doesn't have to be one or the other. Yeah, no. <laughs> uh, it's one of those where you one side of the coin says like self-validation yeah. and the other side says piece of shit. Yeah. Like, ah. uh, what did we get today? <laughs> yeah.